flip tape over for part two. Steven? Oh, my life. <laughs> oh, we're still here in Kansas. Oh, it's been three weeks. I don't think we're, I'd say I don't think we're in Kansas anymore, but we are. We are in Kansas. <laughs> Dorothy was wrong. Dor- Dorothy was right. We aren't in Kansas anymore. No. Okay. Well, Tyler, I'm sorry we're talking bad about your state. Um, I still rep St. Louis. Oh, yeah, that's there right. There you go. Yeah. St. Louis. Thank you, St. Louis. <laughs> a poem about St. Louis. My, my, what a beautiful sky. The arch is high and so am I. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little impromptu poetry for you. That was Dot's Poetry Corner. Yeah. Animaniacs, <laughs> Animaniac. Listeners, welcome back to the Radcast. Thank you for listening to uh, to last week. Anybody who gave us any feedback, anybody who let us know that they might have liked the episode, thank you very much for listening to it. I mean, we may be goofy and silly on here, but we do appreciate listens. We appreciate feedback. And we just we do this because we want to entertain you, the listener out there. So thank you for listening to part one. Uh, we're about to dive into part two. If you haven't listened to part one, pa- press the pause button now. Go out, take some time, listen to part one. We got into a uh, really good discussion. We thought, I mean, we had fun discussing the Ninja Turtles, um, some of the history behind it, some of our thoughts on it, some of our history with it. And we're going to do the same thing here on part two. So we're going to just talk about Three Ninjas and Surf Ninjas. So Matt, you want to let us know a little bit about Three Ninjas? Yeah, Three Ninjas. I mean, just real basic. It's three little kids, all of varying ages. They're brothers, and they're trained by their grandpa on the way of the ninja. Grandpa gets kidnapped. They have to go save their grandpa. And the attraction is that it's little kids, and they're all of differing identities. Strike mm-hmm. that, reverse it. The kids get kidnapped, and Grandpa comes in to save the day. That's right. Oh, yeah. that's right. I was still in the Ninja Turtles mind yeah. where the, the mentor gets yeah. kidnapped. So yes, no you, are, you are correct. Yes, Rocky, Tum Tum, and Colt. That's, what, that's who we're introduced to. Yeah, and so. the the appeal I know as an adult watching something you grew up watching as a kid was the kids aren't annoying at all. Like no. the kids are funny. Um, there's a lot of like in the next two Ninja Turtle movies. There's a ton of slapstick. You get the classic formula of the kids outwitting adults when these uh, these really like idiot petty thieves come and try and kidnap the kids and the kids are outsmarting them and then eventually surfer dudes yeah exactly and that i mean that's the funniest scene in the movie is probably when these surfer dudes who have been hired they're like again these petty thieves these petty criminals and they're hired to kidnap the kids and the kids just are kicking their butts like they're just outsmarting them in every way um but it's not it's not grading like the kids are funny, their one-liners are delivered well. The the thieves, their one-liners are de- delivered really, really, really well, and the situations are funny that they're getting them into. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Rocky's the older brother, and he's more of the 
the level-headed kind of leader. Colt is the, he's given the name Colt because, so Rocky's given the name Rocky because he's solid like a rock. rock grounded. Yeah, very grounded. Colt is wild and crazy like like, like a horse, a like a colt. Yeah. And then Tum Tum because of, you know, his tummy. He he's, thinks with his belly well, first. He eats a lot. Exactly. Yeah. And he's some, like, Tum Tum. And it's <laughs> so easy, especially with these movies, to make, to have the kids just be annoying yeah, yeah that, especially like the am- littlest kid. That's amazing that in this movie there's not because even if you like a movie, kind of like Steven said, if you have kids in it, it's tough to not make little kids annoying sometimes. Right. And in this movie, for some reason, and it's only in the first movie, mm-hmm. none of the kids get on my nerves. Like you're rooting for them. You're not like I hope they never get brought back to the parents. I hope that they mm-hmm. stay kidnapped because I can't stand them. It's not really any of that in this movie. Yeah, the only ones who are kind of wooden and like their deliveries are kind of off are are the adults, are yeah. like the parents. Um, the grandpa's great, Egg Shen from Big Trouble in Little yeah, China. Victor Wong. He's yeah. like Victor Wong. I mean, classic character, Asian character yeah. actor. Exactly. Um, and the kid, I mean, the kids are, are the shining spot, which again is rare, especially in these kind of look down upon kids movies, which mm-hmm. I mean, this is a cult classic for anybody who grew up in the nineties. Tyler, when, when did you first ever watch three ninjas? Yes. First time I watched three ninjas, my uncle, um, was dating a girl and, uh, she still lived at home with her, her parents and her two younger siblings. And so we used to kind of all go hang out at their house. Uh, and they had a copy of the three ninjas and they knew that I did martial arts. And so they were like, Hey, have you ever seen this movie? And I said, no. So, uh, their names were Brent and Mallory. They showed me, um, this movie is the three ninjas. The first time I'd ever seen it. And I thought it was so cool. Cause I was like, I know karate. I want to stay home and have to save the babysitter. Yeah, exactly. You know, I want a girlfriend named Emily. Not really. That's a joke. But, yeah. You know, well, and it's like you said, you practice martial arts. So yeah. what this movie did was it was silly, but also the grandpa was teaching the disciplines of martial arts. Right. And so that's what you find. Like they're harassed by bullies and yeah. Colt just wants to kick some ass. And Rocky's like, you need to stay home, stay patient, stay grounded. grounded. You need to keep a level head. Yeah. No and fighting. Exactly. And martial so, arts is a defense. I mean, uh, and if I, if I may reference another movie, yeah. the first rule uh, in karate kid, Miyagi do is karate is for self defense. Mm-hmm. Rule tool. R- rule number two was rule learn rule number one. Mm-hmm. But karate has always been for self-defense. And when Victor Wong's character was training his grandsons in to be in ninjutsu, to be ninja, mm-hmm. um, ninja do not strike first um, mm-hmm. in, in the classical sense. Uh, they, they, they don't, they, they protect others. And, and, that's a little backwards from true ninja lore because ninjas were hired as assassins uh, by samurai. But uh, but in this sense, in the art of ninjutsu, it is it is a it is a defense art as well. Which can get frustrating when you're a kid because you want Colt to kick some butt. Like, Dude, I wanted him to sock that kid. In yeah, the nose. exactly. Mm-hmm. This kid is so smug. He's like he's like, come on. He's like, do it. And they're they're playing these kids in basketball. Yeah. And you just you just. That was the frustrating thing about kids' movies because you want the protagonist to beat up the antagonist. Right. But they always found a lighthearted way to be like, oh, nonviolence solves things, which, I mean, I guess. But, like, sure. when you're a kid, that's how you wanted to see them get their comeuppance is just, like, just punch them in the face once. Like, yeah. t- humble them, you know? Rock that kid's world. Exactly. Yeah. Light up the eyes. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And yeah. What, what's appealing... Which plays it, into the movie later yes, on. Yes, it does. Yeah. yeah. And what's appealing is the main thing is it's centered around kids and kids who aren't it's not like oh well they're teenagers no this is like an eight-year-old kid a 10-year-old kid and like 12-year-old 12-year-old kid i mean 
I, I'm curious how close in age Rocky and Colt are because they, they, the actors I'm sure were the same age, yeah. but Colt, Colt is younger. They had to, they have to be at least like a year apart. Yeah. And, and there's this constant struggle with Colt to have to submit to Rocky as like this token leader, the leader, the yeah. older brother, the big brother. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's typical. So yeah. I'm sure but, like, the age gap is really slim, and yeah. so so that probably contributes to his frustration yeah. a little. But the appeal is it's like it's showing these kids in more of a powerful, dominant role that they are they're outsmarting know, adults. Yeah, they're outsmarting adults, like they're taking out, they're kicking adults, you know, in the face, and they're knocking the adults out and all that. Yeah. So it's really cool as a kid watching that. You're like, whoa, like that's inspiring. I'm like, I'm not going to go out and just beat up the mailman, but <laughs> right. like, I'm just, it's just cool seeing all oh, these kids are kicking butt. Like I could kick butt in martial arts. Um, but again, like it could be, they could, kids could be like Colt knowing that it's a discipline. You don't, don't be the one to strike first. It's a yes. defense, but it's just, it's really cool that, it's a formula that can be so easily like bumbled just having these kids. And if it's centered around kids, it being like really cringy and oh, really you know, like you, yeah. you roll your eyes and stuff like that. But no, the kids are endearing. The movie is appealing and the martial arts is great. The story is great. And it's yeah. just, it's an all around solid movie. Well, and, and again, uh, that this seemed to be the trend in the nineties as well. Not only with kind of these kids, martial arts movies is any kids movie really there was some sort of heavy part of the story like adult related part of the story like the three kids rocky tum tum and colt their dad is a police officer and he's been chasing this drug pusher for the longest time drugs and and arms yeah and the bad guy is like a drugs and arms dealer yeah and so snyder exactly exactly and so the kids are kidnapped by snyder and it's funny leverage yeah exactly as leverage so it's this very adult crazy like scary situation but then it's it's undercut with levity because snyder's assistant has a nephew who's like a bumbling surfer dude he's just a bum yeah or like in classic 90s style yeah and like he sends them to to kidnap the kids. Yeah. You just know they're stupid because Colt is like pretending to be scared. He's like, Oh no, robbers. It's like, we're not robbers. We're kidnappers. We're kidnappers. <laughs> yeah, I just I thought we were kidnappers. We, we are. are. Yeah, exactly. What were you going to say, Tyler? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, think about it. Even the, the scene where they're, uh, they're, they're in the convenience store and they're holding up the, con- they're holding up the convenience store, but they're looking at the surf magazine. But all you see is this chicken, a bikini on the yeah. front page and it pans around and they're like, that is a most bodacious babe. Yeah. And it p- camera pans around and it's, it's a surfboard, right? Yeah, so yeah, it's like yeah. the levity there is yeah, the joke, yeah. but it's also yeah. the, the uh, yeah. kind of the semi-adult humor there Innuendous. is like, yeah, it's yeah. the innuendos that are there. It's kind of funny. That's what's great is you can slip these risque things in there mm-hmm. and it's it's like a swerve. It's like a bait and switch. Yeah. You know, you're just like, uh, like to a kid, a prepubescent kid, also going to be like a pubescent kid, you're like, oh, oh, what's going to happen? And then switches yeah. and it's a board so that's a that's a bait and switch is a good is a comedic device that's used yeah, a lot yeah. especially in these movies yeah and and so you're you you see these guys and you're like i guess these are the robbers or whatever and then he's like they're at the cash register and they're like also you know we're this is this, this is a robbery yeah this yeah. is a robbery yeah yeah <laughs> he's like uh and he's getting he's getting oh, a page. cash register yeah, he's, he's getting a page from uh the the main mr robber. brown yeah, yeah, the main the main robber is uh, Fester. His name's Fester. Yeah, and uh, he's getting a page from his uncle, and he's like, "Oh, 
excuse me, sir, do you have a phone I could use? Like, yeah, he's talking to the guy he's holding up. Well, and, like, and they're, so they're staking out the kids, and, um, so they're, like, spying on them to check when, you know, like, home alone. They're spying yeah, on the house to see when the they, can, they can come in uh, and kind of kidnap the kids. And they're, like, driving, and this is a scene in which Rocky Tumtum and Colt are, like, taking their bike off hills and stuff, and, and they're, like, whoa. And then they... Uh, they, slow it down. Yeah, slow, slowing. Slow it down. And then they rear end a cop. cop and it's yeah. like, rear. And uh, it goes by, and Tom Tom's like, oh, someone's going to get a ticket. It's like, shut up. Yeah. Looks at the cop. He's like, not you. No, you. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Like, plus, it's another funny, like, Tom Tom thing. He's like, oh, someone's going to get a ticket. It's it. And that's all about my favorite part of what the kids say, what, what really could be a difference maker from kids is the delivery something like that like could be up oh, someone's gonna get a ticket but like, he's like probably uh, tum tum from the second yeah three ninjas movie. yeah he was hate that kid. he's like up oh, someone's gonna get a ticket the, um, the, the the delivery the comedy the way and even the humor in that like a lot of the humor comes out in those quick-witted moments, but mm-hmm. in the fight scenes. Like, they use the fight yeah. scenes mm-hmm. to look like these really badass fight scenes, but there's also the humor built into it. Like, yeah. Tom Tom has the salad tongs, and he sits on top of the guy and smacks him in his yeah. glass mm-hmm. lens with the salad tong. Like, that's just, that's funny. You're like, ah, what's that? But yeah. doesn't he, do, he headbutts a guy at one point, and then he's, like, staggered back. He's like, whoa. Yeah. Which, it's, during the fight scenes, you had to suspend your disbelief because yeah. these are three small children yeah. fighting adults. So when Tom Tom headbutts a grown man yeah the kid should be knocked out but that's you have to suspend your disbelief it's a silly movie and instead he's like staggered back when he's like Whoa. well Absolutely. also their nonverbals are funny too because you could get tum tum he has like a carrot in his mouth and he like he hits him with the tongs or like he sees two thug the two thugs run into each other instead of him going idiots yeah. he just rolls his eyes and yeah. keeps walking well and, and they they put instant diarrhea yeah. They, yeah. Put, they put the the yeah. laxative in their in the their cup, coke yeah. Yeah. Um, and we're still at the point to where they're getting kidnapped and this uh-huh. is still the surfer dude numbskulls yeah <laughs> and they just they uh come in and uh tum tum's got the drink he's like mm, this is good and they're like here give me that and they're drinking the soda yeah and at one point colt comes in and like they've got to go to the bathroom and colt comes in and one of them's like not in the stomach not in the stomach and he kicks him in the face he's like Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> like, like the the only thing that that makes the 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 robbers the only thing that makes them a threat is they have a gun. Yeah, that's it. One, One six five. Actually, it's a five shooter revolver. It's a thirty eight. It's not even. Yeah, like, it's a it's a gun, but it's nothing to be scared of. Yeah. yeah, and that and that that's a staple in a lot of kids' movies in general. It's like, yeah, you have bad guys, mm-hmm. but they're. I mean, it's clad. They're dumb. Yeah, like they're you obviously they're no smarter than the protagonist exactly, and then you've got your larger threat, yeah, Snyder in this one, yeah, and you it, uh, uh, an earmark of a '90s kids movie is is the kid is always, if not always, almost always smarter than the adult, so they they they're more ingenious than the adult. The the adult is almost stupid, at least like. The criminal that they're facing is dumb, but the kid uses their ingenuity. Home Alone is a perfect example of that, both of them. Um, but Three Ninjas, they're using their ingenuity to just take out these kidnappers. And eventually it has to take the main villain to send, like, 
his guys that he depends on yeah. to kidnap the kids. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, because I mean, they show up. They uh, they they figure out that you know they 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 thwart Fester and his friends, uh, and then all of a sudden, Mister Brown shows up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the guy who plays him is called his name is Professor Tanaka. I can't remember. Yeah, his he name was, he was an old is. pro wrestler. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he sh- they show up and Colt tries to kick him and he grabs him yep. by the leg and holds him up and then Colt goes, "You want me to drive?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, like it, it it just goes back to the delivery is great because the kid could have easily been thrashing or thrashing around and trying to be tough. Yeah, but Colt's I, just like the kids have great comedic timing. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, like and, and the dialogue's not the greatest, but still, oh, to yeah. deliver, they do a pretty good job delivering it. Yeah, yeah, and I mean the biggest thing for me is, like I said, you don't roll your eyes pretty much on anything. Maybe on Emily. Um, yeah, but the you, little girl, the girl that plays Emily, is uh, is pretty cringeworthy at points. Yeah, but I mean the movie, the movie as a whole, that first movie, I love. Um, I, you know, I honestly, I feel bad. I can't say more about it because I haven't watched it in a couple of years, yeah. but, uh, I guess I asked Tyler his first exposure and I completely forgot our first exposure. I, it was one of those movies that we probably saw on like HBO when we were maybe like five or six, but then when we got into like fourth, fifth grade, our mom, uh, our dad was a coach and used to have a bunch like co- like a big coach gathering mm-hmm. at the end of the season, and we didn't want to be a part of that. So our mom, at uh, the grocery store video store, Schnooks Video, rented Three Ninjas for yeah. us, and we watched that. And I think it was like a five day rental, and we watched it every day. Didn't she get the second one too? It was. Uh, I think she rented the second one first. Um, ah, and we watched the yeah. second you saw, one. You saw Kickback where they go to Japan or the yeah. one where they're on the Indian Reservation, the uh, Native uh, American Kickback. Reservation. Yeah, Kickback. Yeah, Kickback. And they is, go to Japan. Yeah, yeah. so we, we really like that. Kind of like how we saw Back to the Future 2 before we saw Back to the Future. Yeah. But uh, Kickback, we, we rented that, but then our mom rented us the first one, and I we loved it. Like, we did that, eventually yeah. got the DVD and watched it quite a few times. And I haven't watched it in a couple of years. Yeah. So my memory is a little foggy on some certain details, but um, yeah, I mean, that was our first exposure really. Yeah. Was with, with the three ninjas movies, we mentioned the second one um, and the third one, they're on an Indian reservation. You, it's a little jarring because when you watch the first one and the second one, the cast changes. Mm-hmm. And then the third one, it's, the same cast cast like, from the first movie like, colt mm-hmm. is the only constant yeah He's, but like you've got rocky tumtum and the same kids playing rocky tumtum and colt in the first and third one and different kids playing rocky and tumtum in the second one and they did it weird in that they filmed the first and third one one after the other and filmed the second one after all of them but the second one was released af- after the first mm-hmm. one before the third one so it was it's kind of weird yeah i remember and actually, now that I remember, the first one I ever saw that I remember seeing was the fourth one, High Noon Mega, Mega Mountain, Mountain. Yeah. featuring Hulk, Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan is Dave Dragon. You know, and my, he's so small. When I yeah, he is, he is small. He's not on the roids anymore. And, yeah, and like, and you could see all of his like all the hip and leg problems he had because he's oh, so yeah. jilted and stilted yeah. when he's moving. And when I think martial arts, I think Hulk, Hulk Hogan. Hogan. Yeah. yeah. Um, he may have wearing been, a toupee. He was a big, <laughs> he was a big shot in Japan, but that was cause, 
of his like chain wrestling. Right. Um, yeah. Not because of any martial arts. Well, and then you've got Lonnie Anderson, Lonnie Anderson, and Ernest P. Warrell. Exactly. Yes. So those the, are the those are the antagonists yeah. in this movie. Um, but I do remember, which I think this was Ernest uh, Jim Varney's second to last movie before he passed away, mm-hmm. or third to last because he played. Yeah. No, it was second to last because yeah. I think his last one was uh, he voiced a character in Atlantis. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, I just now remembered uh, the fourth one we actually saw before the second one. And the second one we saw before the first one, but the first one's the best one. I remember. I think I read in the fourth one that the kid who played Colt wanted to come back as Colt, but yeah. he was already way older than any yeah. of them. Oh yeah, which is weird. Like I don't know. It's it's the same thing with the Home Alone movies. Like. The people mess with the timelines and the ages of kids and stuff like that. So in the fourth movie, all the kids are like young. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's weird. Uh, they're they're a little. I think in the fourth movie they're a little bit older. It's it's Tum Tum's birthday. They're going to they're going to Mega Mountain. Mega Mountain. Yeah. yeah. Um. And you get maybe a junior, uh, eighth grade, maybe freshman year of high school. Okay. Rocky. Yeah, yeah, Rocky. They, they like do progress 15. the ages yeah. a little bit. But it almost as if Rocky is way. It's almost like they tried to reboot it with that, maybe. Yeah. Because you have a way different age disparity because Tum Tum seems way younger than he does in yeah, the Tum-tum's other movies. Yeah, Tum Tum's like mm-hmm. six years old. Yeah, he's yeah. he's super young. So I I'm not quite sure. I I would chalk it up to they were trying to reboot the series a little bit yeah, there. Right. Um, and it just didn't hold up. It's yeah. like it's like it's like it's like Clueless, the TV show. Mm-hmm. Like when you make adapt Clueless to a TV show, you you can't have like. Like you can't get Alicia Silverstone, and you can't get. Well, I guess Stacy Dash was on there. Never yeah. mind. Not not a good example. It's like yeah, right. it's it's like it's like when you Ferris Bueller. It's like when you try to make Ferris Bueller a TV show, mm-hmm. you couldn't get Matthew Broderick and no. and Jennifer and Jennifer or, uh, or Jennifer, Jennifer Aniston Gray. was in it. Was yeah, she can, was she Jennifer Gray's character? Uh, I, remember. I don't remember. But you couldn't get you know what's his face from Spin City who played Cameron. Yeah, uh, Al. Um, doesn't matter and, um but yeah. it's it's basically it's basically it's like that it's like when you adapt a well-known movie into right. a tv show that's kind of what it felt it like it had been a couple years since the third one was released which knuckle up is the one i've seen the least and i remember kind of being bored with it it was like was they were kid. on like an indian reservation yeah right? they're were trying to like save an indian reservation I think the only thing i liked as a kid because our mom knew we really liked the first one we liked yeah. the second one she's like oh there's a third one. I'll just write knuckle up. And like, there's, there's like three different kids on the cover of it, but it's yeah. like, but it's the same Rocky Tum Tum and Colt from the first one. Yeah. I was like, Oh, I recognize them, but I don't hardly remember anything about knuckle up. Tyler, do like, do you remember like, what do so, you remember about knuckle up? Knuckle up uh, being, being the second film, but the third released, uh, they are, it's summertime. They're back at their grandpa's house. Uh, and so they're they're which is what they did. They spent every summer at their yeah, right. house training ninjutsu. Uh, this is this is a little bit more of a uh, adventurous kind of like, hey, what would it look like if they spent a summer at their grandpa's house? Yeah. Uh, so you know, the first one introduced that. This the third one that they released. Um, the storyline goes: their grandpa kind of lives outside of the city. They they kind of live in what would be a California esque area. Um, their grandpa lives out towards the country, and they're kind of in a smaller town. There's a Native American reservation that's close by that um, they're trying to. Uh, th- there's a chemical company, like a, I think it's a, it's, it might be a paper company or some type of company. TGRI. 
Yeah, TGRI. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're uh, they are tr- they're poisoning the water, and so yeah. the water that, that runs that the Native Americans use, it's killing, and their people are dying, uh, and it's kind of like this power struggle because they want to drill and they want to kind of do away with the reservation land, um, and they're trying to kind of fight to save that. So um, Rocky Colton sometime befriend one of the little girls who grew up on the reservation, that grows up on the reservation, and they, they it's kind of like their their adventure to uh, fight off the bad guys. This is, this is one where Victor Wong actually didn't play a big role in this movie. Yeah. This one focused highly on Rocky Colton, Tum Tum and kind of showcasing their skills. Um, there's a scene, my favorite scene there at the local pizza place. And, uh, there's these, you know, it's the same. They're thwarting these weird adults that work for this company. Uh, and there's a, a butterfly knife that gets used and Rocky's like sitting there trying to play this video game and somebody bumps him and he gets ticked off. So he starts, he jumps in the fight that Tom, Tom and Colt had already started. And he has he, he, this, he gets this butterfly knife away from a guy and he's like f- spinning around. It looks really cool. Yeah. Really rad. He's like flicking yeah. around and he's got this dude's hand and he goes to stab it and he loses the knife and he slaps the dude's hand. <laughs> and the guy's like, oh, oh. And they all take off running because they got showed up by some kids. That, um, that's pretty funny. Yeah, but the movie, the movie itself, what it doesn't really hold up. I mean, it's there's some decent martial arts. The stories, eh, if it shows you anything, the only movie that has a decent rating on any of these these websites is the first one. The, the first, first one. one. The yeah. other three, I mean, with with. Uh, Mega Mountain having a 2.9 out of 10 Gosh. rating. It just, I mean, it just kind of shows you that the first one was something great, and it just kind of deteriorated. People don't know greatness when they see it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I, High Noon Mega Mountain should be rated higher. I actually, I, I enjoy High Noon Mega Mountain. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like, it's not yeah. good, and there are a lot of eye rolling, cringy parts. The acting is god awful. But one of I the, enjoy it. One of the hench, one of the goons, one of the henchmen was actually. The head counselor in Salute Your Shorts. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. right. Yes, yeah. he was. You're yeah. right. Um, yeah. So, um, but and then and then another one was one of the bouncers in Roadhouse. Was right? that the was big the, fat guy? I think that I think that might have been a different guy. Oh well, I don't know because I was I thinking about that too. Yeah. Um, talking about Mega Mountain. Talking about the third one, which I I wouldn't mind watching again. Um, yeah. The second one was the only one that I could remember that. Besides the first one, had a little bit of production value to it. At least looks like. Yeah, yeah they, I mean, they filmed. I'm pretty sure they filmed on location in Japan. Yeah. Um, you know, the 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 budget was probably a little bit bigger because of the success of the first movie mm-hmm. when it was released. Um, so yeah, the second one, the 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 film, the filters on the filming are 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 great. Uh, the story, actually, I honestly, the story of the first one is great. Yeah. Of the of just the three ninjas. Yeah. Um, and then. I can see why Kickback, that second one they released, was was the second in their lineup. The story is actually pretty decent. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Maury, uh, Grandpa Mori, which is their grandpa's name, he was a, uh, a student of a ninjutsu master in Japan. And uh, similar to, oh, the Ninja Turtles with Orokusaki and Master uh, Yoshi, Yoshi, I believe his name is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, you've got... Um, you know, so there's there's just they, they were they were friends and they were trained by the same person. Uh, this gentleman was these two gentlemen were were cohorts. They were partners and they were learning ninjutsu together. And there was this uh, this fight to see who would get the katana and who would get the dagger. Yeah. Um, and so he realizes that there's this secret secret hidden chamber that if he has the vil- the main villain um, has the katana and the dagger that he can open it up. Mm-hmm. And so the dagger is supposed to be presented to um, whichever ninja 
were to win this tournament of uh, yeah. ninjutsu in Japan. And so uh, the the boys all decide to stay home and play baseball because, you know, when you're a ninjutsu master and yeah. you, you, but we're going to play baseball, whatever, yeah, get yeah. out of here. I got a metal baseball bat. What, what do you cares? think Lisa DiMarino would think of that? Yeah. Lisa, Lisa DiMarino. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so the, the second the second one has some production value. It has a decent story. The boys uh, end up the their grandpa gets to Japan, ends up injured in the hospital. Uh, the boys figure out a way to get to Japan, um, and they they go over to try and rescue their grandpa. Mm-hmm. So. I think I think it's funny. I do remember because I remember their grandpa is in in the hospital, but there's like this really I has to say butch. There's this really like big nurse who's like constantly trying to like i don't i don't, he's he's i remember there's a scene where his hair is all wild and he has a neck brace on and he's like he's got this crazed look on his face because he's afraid of this really big nurse yeah and the she's big all, n- nurse um i think it's like nurse shaboya <laughs> and it's yeah she's oh like yeah this yeah massive japanese woman that yeah. like almost mimics a sumo wrestler in size comes walking in with a needle in her hand and he's yeah. like Aah! yeah that, that kind of scared me when i was kid <laughs> yeah. like i remember going over to a friend of uh, our dad's friend's house or something and like watching that movie and like the friend's kids were watching that movie and I was like, this is scary. Like, yeah, I don't know, I don't know what this is. <laughs> and you watch it now and you're like, this is ridiculous. Right. I'd yeah. say, I'd say the drop off would kind of ruin the second one for me. Cause I watched it again. It's been a couple of years, but as an adult, I watched it and this is after watching a lot of the first one and loving the first one. Uh, the drop-off for me, they changed Rocky and Tum-Tum, which is fine. Rocky Rocky was fine. It's okay. Rocky yeah. was all right. A little bit older character. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the first kid was like was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, the this the new kid was fine. Tum-Tum was insufferable. I remember yeah. like this was like a couple years ago, but as an adult, I remember thinking, why would you change? Like this is a step down with this Tum-Tum. Yeah, the the Tum-Tum in the in in Kickback. Um, a little more whiny than yeah. the original Tum Tum. Yeah. Uh, you know, like one of the lines is, is this why Grandpa wanted us to come to Japan to learn the next level of screaming? Yeah. Uh, because the ninjas are making, you know, yeah. And, and then, and then like, I don't know if they said this in the first one. I can't remember, but I guess they tried to get Tum Tum to, you know, catch on. Yeah. Because even towards the end when the, the bad guy kind of turns a new leaf, um, they're like trying to get out of somewhere and, and I guess Tum Tum does something and they're like, Tum Tum. Yeah. And even the bad guy's like, Tum Tum. You know? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. it's so, it's so cringe worthy, but I mean, it's an all right sequel. I, I, I definitely would like, I, I would, anytime I come across something that maybe I didn't like either as a kid or as an adult, mm-hmm. I want to give it another shot. I just want to make sure that I can justify my opinion on it or I can yeah. change my opinion on it. So I like with Knuckle Up, I'd definitely be willing to watch two again. I remember, but I remember being disappointed because I watched it and I was like, I remember really liking this as a kid. Now I just maybe it's just because I watched the first one so much. Yeah, I think I think it got to a point to where kids beating up adults ran its course because in between the three ninjas movies it's like we mentioned before you had pocket ninjas to where it was little kids beating up adults and you had other things that you were like it just started you couldn't suspend your disbelief enough yeah so, so what you got to do is you got to turn over and have teenagers who ride surfboards 
uh, beat up adults, right, exactly. Steven? Exactly. <laughs> so we Mortal met, surf. So Mortal surf. And thirty year old Rob Schneider being <laughs> you know uh, playing a sixteen year old. <laughs> so what Matt is referring to is the I would say cult classic. We say it's I a love cult it. absolutely yeah. Cult, yeah. Classic. cult classic surf ninjas. So yeah. like Matt just said, also it's exactly that. It's these pretty much it's these kids who are these pretty much L.A. surf bums, or at least the character of, um, I almost said Ricky. His name's not Ricky. Johnny. 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 His uh, little brother. Which, which is yeah. Ernie Reyes Jr., who was Kino. Kino. Like we Ninja, mentioned in, in part Turtles one, two. Uh, played a role in Ninja Turtles 2. And he became a popular character after that. Kino was one of the more popular characters. Yeah. Kind of took that Casey Jones role of like popular in side character. Movie. Yeah, and, and I think it... it Let's 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 be honest here. Ernie Reyes Jr. didn't necessarily need a a career push. He was in. He had been in stuff since he was a, a way mm-hmm. young kid. Yeah. I mean, I think as early as eight years old, him, him and his dad had had put him in a movie. And Ernie Reyes Sr. had been in some stuff. Uh, but this this movie was definitely to kind of give him a little bit more of the limelight that he had, yeah. he had earned from being in TMNT two. Uh, was to say, hey, let's let's give Ernie Reyes Jr. his his own his shot again and let's give him a movie where he's the main character. And he's, exactly. he's a legit martial artist. Absolutely. Too. They both are. They, yeah. they, uh, you know, they're both, I believe it's Taekwondo and, um, you know, they, they, they both have an, an expertise junior and senior both. And they, it's not the first time they've been in a movie together either. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. They were in martial arts. Let's kind of like you said, they're in martial arts movies back in like the early eighties. Yeah. So even ever since Ernie race junior was a kid. Yeah, absolutely. But pretty much they cast him cause he has a lot of charisma. Oh, he's like got he, swag, yeah, like boot, he, man. Like he's, he's 90s swaggy. He oh, is. Absolutely. He is. He's got the long black hair. He's, he's got, got the, the cool dangly earrings. Hat. He's got um, the. He's, he, yeah, he's 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 he's. He, I'm he, sure he's hat. He's Asian, but I'm sure there's some other ethnicity in there because he's pretty much early 90s swagged out, bronze skin. Like he's, he's just a cool guy. He's, he's got you he's know got attitude, sharp white teeth. You know, he's got like sparkling white teeth. Yeah, you know, he's just he's just a cool. He's guy. a good looking guy. Yeah, good looking dude. Charisma, martial arts. Yeah, he's a passable actor. He did. Yeah, he, he did fine in all of his for roles. this movie. Yeah. yeah. So pretty much it's him, his younger brother, Adam. Um, you can tell they've been adopted. They're adopted by, by uh, a white father. So they're kind of beach bums. They don't do well in school. And then Ernie Ray Sr. shows up who plays Zatch, um, this eye patch wearing kind of badass martial artist, mm-hmm. and comes to tell them that they are actually, they're princes from this uh, country called Patusan. Wait, Portisan? Porta potties? Yeah. <laughs> no, not Portusan. And basically, they were brought from Patusan, um, which they're the princes of. That they found yeah. that that's their birthright, mm-hmm. and uh, they're too young to remember. But Patusan was under, you know, duress, and there was a revolution going on and being taken over by Leslie Nielsen, Colonel Chi, who is this crazy. foreign samurai. And yeah, it's like, there's. There's so many other people they could have, if they just still decided to go that white man foreign samurai route, why Leslie Nielsen? Yeah. I wonder if they told him, yeah, it's going to be, it's another Naked Gun movie, you know? Yeah. So. That or if they were just trying to, maybe they were just trying to go with like the bumbling idiot. Cause it, I mean, yeah. the, the movie's tone is very comedic from the start. I mean, sure. The kids are goofy. Ernie, I mean, Ernie Reyes, he's got good. He's got that swag. He's got yeah. the charisma. So it's kind of a goofy, fun movie. Yeah. And who else in the early 90s would have played a villain that could just, you could make fun of and be like, who is this idiot? Oh, yeah. Sure. Other than Leslie Nielsen, Bob Mr. Cat, Magoo himself. Bobcat yeah. Goldthwait. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. Cheers <laughs> to that one. It's like, uh, but, uh, but yeah, Leslie Nielsen's the bad guy. Yeah. And so if 
it you I at least in these movies want the antagonist to feel a little threatening at right. least at least in the in a final battle yeah right because um, conceivably I can't picture Leslie Nielsen pick beating up Ernie Race yeah. Jr. But so and pretty much what Ernie Race Jr.'s character Johnny finds out is like Matt said uh, at Patusan him and his brother are princes and it's his birthright when he turns sixteen he'll take over the throne but yeah. that's in jeopardy because Colonel Chi Leslie Nielsen's character um, he's kind of in control of the yeah. area he's the one running roughshod over the island and there's going to be a war uh that they need to fight in yeah there was like, a prophecy he tried to kill him when he was a kid because there was a prophecy once he turns 16 he becomes a prince of patusan there will be you know freedom and peace throughout right. the entire so yeah. basically unseating colonel yeah. chi and they couldn't care less but then colonel chi's men came to america and took their kidnapped dad their and, dad, and yeah. kidnapped him and took him so zatch is like you have to go, you have to go, you have to go because this is your birthright. Your dad is inconsequential. Mm-hmm. It's your birthright to go back. That's why you're going to Patusan. He's like, you know what? Screw you, man. We're going because we're going to go get our dad. Yeah. But he's learning all these various things about what his birthright entails, that there's an arranged marriage. We see the, 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 female, the female character. We uh, see this great scene where he finds out that it's within artist. him to be a warrior, and he starts kicking ass as yeah, a sweet it, martial artist. It's so funny because it's, it's, it's very Ernie Reyes in the sense that you know, all of a sudden, he's, this dude comes swinging at him, and he's just like, what the? And he yeah. blocks, and he's like, huh? He <laughs> yeah, just exactly. like looks up, and then he just starts effortlessly disposing of these fake ninjas yeah. and trying to take him back. And it's it's a funny, because it's a bit, because he's like looking at his hand confused, like it almost has a mind it's of its like, own. Yeah. And he's like, dude, he's like, whoosh, like does a few kicks yeah. at, uh, to dispose of some guys. And like he, he's like looking down at his leg all confused because his leg almost seems like it's moving on its own. Oh, yeah. So, now, you know, it's pretty good physical comedy in Absolutely. there. And speaking of comedy, kind of the comedic relief comes with the character of Iggy, played by Rob Schneider, who's their 15-year-old best friend, who's played by a 30-year-old Rob. Well, he, he's 16 because he drives. Yeah, he's oh, 16. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. He's a junior in high school. Yeah. yeah. But he's 30 in real life. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he dyed his hair red, I guess, to look younger. Yeah. But you have you have Iggy. Um, Zatch actually has some funny bits. Um, yeah. some, he, he can't stand Iggy. So yeah. there's kind of that back and forth between them. So he has Tone Loke is an L.A. police officer. Tone Loke is in this movie as an L.A. police officer. Introducing that hip-hop back into the yeah, martial arts exactly. movies. Well, and there's a Tone Loke song because at the beginning of the movie, they start moto surfing, which yeah. is basically they're driving and they get up on the car like they're Not surfing like they're or surfing. whatever. Yeah. And uh, the song playing is a Tone Loke song. Yeah. yeah. So the, the, the hip-hop tie-in again. Yeah. yeah. The lame early 90s hip-hop. Hip-hop Which, tie-in. if anyone... I mean, think about it like this way: Tone Loke's songs, "Funky Cold Medina" and "Wild Thing," yeah. they yeah. were not po- they were popular songs because they were party songs. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. And that was the and that was the that was the climate of hip hop in the '80s when he was popular. Absolutely. So, so at least yeah, that main, the mainstream, mainstream yeah, yeah, hip hop. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, pretty much throughout the movie, it's just Johnny and and company. They're in Patusan. He's learning more and more about his birthright. He's he's been he's been totally flippant about it, but then he kind of starts to accept it when they see just this really area that's been roughed up by cheese men, and he's just like, you know, cheese men by by, by <laughs> Tim. Che- it's, it was the cheese men. It was Tom Cheeseman. It's like they walk up and this lady's covered in like melted cheddar. Melted cheddar. She's like, it's so hot. <laughs> but like he, they pretty much it's the cheese men were here. Yeah, but he's pretty much learning the gravity of what entails of him 
ruling this area and why he needs to dethrone Chi. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot of the battles come after that. But the most... So there's a lot of... This movie needed a couple more scenes of exposition because Tone Loke, who's this police officer who's supposed to be watching after them, he ends up on this boat with them going to Patusan. And he's like... It's it, they make it seem like days have gone by. Yeah. And he comes out of like he comes out of his cabin where he's at. He's like, No man, like I I'm with y'all now. And yeah. I was like, that could have stood for them like telling him, you know, in the midst of his butting against what they're doing, telling him, you know it just seemed really jarring that he was yeah. a part of the equation now. It did feel like there were it. some some story elements that were missing that everyone seems like so on board now. Yeah. And they, they give him all the lines of, yeah, they knew we were coming. And it's like, yeah. we need to take them out. Yeah. But it's like, what's this? We you're just along for the ride because you're like, you're trying to apprehend these kids. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you're cool with everything. So that kind of bugged me when we watched it again. Plot hole. Yeah. yeah they got to exactly. move the story along. Yeah. yeah. And then the biggest, the biggest thing that raises a question to where you absolutely have to suspend your disbelief. So we're reaching, we're in the third act of the movie, and they're about to go in for the final battle. And it's Johnny and crew are leading this uprising of Patusanis. Oh gosh, I didn't and, know where you were going. And they're like, they're on this, they're on this ledge of the cliff, and Zatch is like the only way to get to that part of the island where Cheese men, eh, where Cheese warriors are. I keep saying Cheese <laughs> Colonel men. Che- <laughs> Colonel Cheese, General Cheese, yeah, um, his men. Um, yeah. where where they're at there's only one way through by like boat or whatever and he's like is there another It'll way be he's detected like, by boat yeah like, he's yeah. like they're trying to figure out a way he's to like, get there yeah so uh so this whole time adam the younger brother is able to kind of um see things before they happen by via, using a sega game yeah gear. using a sega game gear and a game that's on there so Adam, who's supposed to be this visionary, that's him as a prince. That's yeah, been John, prophesized. Johnny um, is the warrior. warrior Adam, Adam is, is the, the seer. seer. Exactly. Yeah. So he looks off and he sees these trees, and then he envisions sur- surfboards. <sighs> and he's like, Johnny, what do you see when you look at that? Or something like that. And he's like, I know how we're going to do he's it. He's like, Patusanis are good woodworkers, right? And, uh, and the Zatch, female Zatch. lead is like some of the best in the world. world yeah. And, and they just make like a hundred surfboards just out of and nowhere. Out of nowhere. Yeah. And well, in the like the you can tell like the cruddy CGI that's going on because it's like all of a sudden the this like weird forest just turns into surfboards. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, what exactly. in the world? Exactly. And then they have the surf scene to where they all of a sudden all know yeah. how to surf. surf. Yeah. They yeah. just and immediately learned how to surf. Well, yeah. in the first like it opens up and Johnny's like, All right, like the scene Quantum transitions. Dudes. Yeah. The scene trans like it does a fade transition and it's Johnny being like, All right, remember to bend your knees. Eve. So it's like so they don't know how to surf. And then all of a sudden they all go out in the water and they all know how to surf. And they're yeah. surfing, which the funny thing is if you know anything about surfing, surfing is you go out and come back into the shore. Yeah. And these dudes are surfing away from the shore towards the other part of this island. Yeah. So at some point there is a riptide that's pulling them the other direction and they're surfing yeah, back in. Exactly. So, so Rob Schneider got to show off his surfing skills. Yeah, finally. Not, he finally yeah. got to surf. Yeah. Okay. He doesn't. The, the <sighs> character. Not a day in his life. The character did. Rob Schneider. Yeah. You know what? I like Iggy. to think Rob Schneider was surfing. He's like, oh, he took a little surfing classes. Yeah, he took yeah. a little surfing classes. Yeah, this is like right at, he was still on SNL, I think. Yeah, it was, he was weird. Yeah. Like out of all the cast, I don't, I, I'm still baffled at the, the casting decision. Deuce but, Bigelow, Patusani, Gigolo. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he just should have stayed there and become a Rob Patusani, Schneider Gigolo. Is oh, Iggy. Man. 
Yes. But so I, I do like the way that they they establish that Adam is the seer and Johnny right. is the warrior. Right. And I do like the way that they had him sort of prophesy and be a seer through the game gear because like you said like he's playing a game and he's like i don't know what this game is and he can see things before it happens on the game yeah so it's kind of cool you see like the eight bit you know uh bad guy like jumping off a roof and yeah. he's like zatch and then you see him jumping the off jump. the roof mm-hmm. and zatch gets out of the way so it's kind of cool that's that's a cool very 90s way to not yeah. like try and push the game gear pushing but the kind game of gear, giving making... giving the kids something uh that that they could be related to you know yeah. what i mean like i can't tell you how many times i pretended that my game boy uh which because I, I didn't have a game gear but my game right. boy, like my game boy was like oh i can i can play a video game to see the yeah. future when we were you know playing with friends and stuff and mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was. It made the it made his character Adam way more relatable. It gave him. It made viewers that were kids that wanted to watch this movie say, "Oh yeah, that's so cool! Like I want to be like that. I want a Game Gear now." So yeah. yeah, I mean, part of it was product pushing. Part of it gave him relatability. Yeah, yeah. I think you're better for just having a Game Boy and not a Game Gear. Yeah, the Game Gear wasn't was not that great. There's but, a reason we're not talking about it lovingly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what what this had what this movie had going for it is if you think about it, I know us as kids, all we wanted to be was like cool. That's why I have an affinity for like boy bands is because they were cool. They were sure. girls, girls like liked them. girls yeah. like them. Ernie Race Jr. in this movie is cool. He is he's you know, slick. Yeah. yeah. He's 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 definitely representing California. Um, he kind of he has that California style, that California charisma, mm-hmm. yep. um, and and it helps. He was born in San Jose, California. He grew up out there, uh, so I think it was it was really a role that's natural for Ernie Reyes Jr. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and it's just it's something to where after the movie's over, you're like, man, I aspire to be like that cool, to like be a surfer or a skateboarder or something like that. And you know, you live in the Midwest, and you're like, there, there are no <laughs> waves anywhere I'm in sight. I'm more Rob Schneider than I am Ernie Race <laughs> yeah. Jr. That's the disappointing thing. But also, what it had going for is the martial arts was very good. Yeah, you don't get two world class martial artists in a movie and and not have a strong martial arts scene. I mean, mm. you're talking you're talking about guys that, um, but between junior and senior, they, I mean, that one they're just tacticianers of martial arts. They're phenomenal. Uh, but they 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 know their way around a movie scene for martial arts, and I think that's what set Surf Ninjas apart. Whether the acting is kind of goofy in some points, or cringeworthy in some others, or kind of the story's not even the greatest, what carries that movie through 100% is the martial arts. Yeah, um, and it's because of how well it's choreographed, um, some of the humor they insert into the martial arts, uh, and and in general, like you know. How how badass was it watching Zatch flip off the pier and as he goes Quan Su and he does yeah. a front flip off the pier yeah. down to the sand and lands and it's just like he just does it so perfectly. Yeah, yeah. What's also what kind of adds to the humor, um, which this movie, although it had some misses of jokes, it actually it it had some funny. There's some pretty beats. silly jokes. And um, you're like, okay, that was funny. Yeah, and one of those things was Rob Schneider thinks he has these powers where he says what if and it actually happens which really like it's just I it's think, a strange coincidence yeah, it's yeah. 100% coincidental yeah. in the movie but it's funny because he's like well, what if what if I I have these powers what if I lose them oh no I just said what if I lose them <laughs> oh no it's like typically like frantic it, it it's you sit there and you're like this is why is Rob Schneider in this movie honestly he plays himself and I think 100% it was just he's someone that people related to he could laugh that you could yeah. laugh at and you're just like ah, okay yeah he get, yeah. give him the com- some of the comedic relief that is the goofy kid yeah 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 so I mean I don't think there's much more we can say about either one of those movies I think we hit the nail on the head we obviously 
we have more to say about like the Ninja Turtles because that was a, a mainstay for all sure. three of yeah, us. Absolutely. Um, but I think th- we do love three ninjas and we do love surf ninjas in their own ways. Those are movies. The three of us not only watched on our own, but watched together. Um, I think those three, whether it's the Ninja Turtle series, the three ninja series or just surf ninjas to me, those three movies really personified that 90s trend that sort of tried to piggyback off Mm -hmm. of the Power Rangers just in terms of the way that the the stories were set up or the character dynamics and stuff like that. Like those are like the tentpole movies for me Mm -hmm. um, for this genre of 90s karate movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it just... Surf Ninjas is also one of those movies to where if I hear people say they like Surf Ninjas, that's where my ears perk up because yeah. that's not a extremely well-known one. Uh-uh. Um, I don't even remember when I first – I remember watching it as like a little kid, and I remember parts of it, um, but not until I was like a teenager did I watch it again. Um, Tyler, like when was your first exposure to Surf Ninjas? That's a tough one, guys. Um, it was sometime in the 90s in the slew of – of watching, I th- honestly, I think it was one of those things that I we went to the we went to probably Blockbuster at the time. Yeah, uh, and and uh, for those of you who don't know what Blockbuster is, it was an old video rental store. Uh, so for you young listeners, that there's have no a crop clue, of kids that are growing up now that have no mm, idea what Blockbuster, Blockbuster, is. or just video, video rentals. rentals in yeah. So I'm pretty sure we went there, and it was probably in the kids section. And I was like, "Hey, mom, cool ninjas, let's watch it." And I recognized Ernie Reyes, so mm-hmm. that was what it was. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, just. Wrapping up here, um, there there was just, again, like we said at the top of each part here, there was just a litany of these movies in the 90s to where just appeal to kids. But you also, you also use martial arts, which is, which is a really cool discipline. It's a really cool art. And, uh, I mean, I think it opened up a lot of doors for a lot of kids to take martial arts, which is just that's just really cool. Tyler's a former, as, as a martial artist, that's just, it's cool for people to know the discipline. Absolutely. And you know, I'll, I'll be, I'll say this about those. If it weren't for things like that, I probably would have never gotten into it. Uh, it would have met. And in all honesty, these movies and this kind of cultural bust in the early nineties of martial arts, late eighties, early nineties, uh, was, was, was a big influence on me. It's why I, I got to be in martial arts. And I, then that, forever has changed my life with learning discipline, uh, learning respect for others, um, and really formative in my personality of saying, Hey, like you should be a protector of other people. It's never to be, it's never to be aggressive towards others. It's never to showcase what you know or how strong you are. Uh, but, but just like those heroes, those pivotal characters, it is also, it's always to protect others, to protect yourself. Um, and, and to say like, Hey, I, I am strong and not because I can, what, what I can do, but because of what I, what I do with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a, that's a great way, uh, to sum it up for sure. But we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to kind of wrap up this part two with a little music talk. So stay tuned. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Radcast. So, Radcast. 
music talk. Exactly. Radical. 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 Exactly. So parts one and two here, we've been talking uh, 90s ninja movies, whether it's the kids movies or we we talked a little bit about some of the more like PG, PG PG-13 fair, like briefly. But we're going to veer off near the end of the episode here. One of the things that we love talking about on the Radcast here is music. And Tyler, you are a big music fan. Yes. Yes, I am. Yeah. I don't think I trust anybody who says they're not a big fan of music. Honestly, if you don't like music, I mean, you could like literature, but let's be honest, music is life. Yeah, yeah and exactly. I and, and I and I of course say the great equalizer for a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, and I, I say that in jest, you know. Of course, like I, I trust you know if if I know you and you say you don't like music, of course, like if I like you and I trust you, whatever. But I'm just, it just, I don't. I just don't understand it when people say, you know, yeah, music didn't really, it's fine, but it doesn't really appeal to me. It's like, what? <laughs> I think music is ingratiated in our DNA. I prefer math problems. Yeah. But like, Nerd. yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I know, I've know people who are like, yeah, I was more into sports. Yeah, music was all right. It's like, what? <sighs> like, you can like both. But anyway, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to step off my soapbox here and we're just going to talk a little music. So, I came up with just a list of bands and groups. Just do some a fun mm-hmm. exercise here. Yeah. And I sent it to Matt and Tyler, and I told them, think of your favorite song from either this band or this group or this time period. But I didn't tell them what bands I'm going to use. So to kind of keep you guys on your toes, hopefully you had an answer for a lot of these. I'm perplexed. Okay, yeah. yeah. So the first one that I'm going to do is not a band but a time period. What is your favorite song from the 80s? Uh, uh, see also to kind of thing. Yeah. To to kind of preface here, this is not going to be an absolutely super well thought out answer maybe because some of this stuff is so broad and we love these time periods so much or this band so much that it's just quick right off the top of your head and maybe, maybe explain your answer a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think for right now, knee jerk, probably how soon is now by the Smiths. Just because cool. it's, I mean, it's got a great guitar lick at the front, mm-hmm. and it's not one of those like '80s one-hit wonders or whatever that anyone else would be like, "Oh, take on me," or "I ran so far away." But uh, I think that was the first one that came to mind. Plus, it's in the Wedding Singer. Yeah, it was so. used really well in, in the Wedding Singer. And Johnny it's, Marr has like he has like effect on top of effect on top of effect yeah. with that lick so or with that guitar riff. It's that's probably it because that encompasses some of the. Uh, some of the darker tones of some of the more alternative 80s music. Yeah. So I think it doesn't necessarily represent the decade well. Like when you think 80s songs, right. you're like, oh, well, Mickey by Tony Basil or whatever. Yeah. But probably How Soon Is Now by it's by the Smiths. It's a really good atmospheric tune. Yeah. Mine would be Paul Revere by Beastie Boys. Of oh, course. All right. yeah. Yeah. Here's a little story I've got to tell about three, three bad brothers. brothers you know so well. Um, honestly, that that song is so funny. The reason why I love that song so much, um, one, the story they tell in it is hilarious because it's just kind of like, you know, the the Beastie Boys just being goofy and yeah. talking. Hey, we that's how we met each other. Not really, but I did it's, it's it like funny. This I did, did it, it like that. that. I, I did, did it with a wiffle ball bat. bat. So, but yeah. my my dad used to say that all the time when I'd be like, oh, I'm listening to the Beastie Boys, and I had no clue what the hell he was talking yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not a Beastie Boys lyric. No, it's not Sleep Till Brooklyn. Listen, you know what I mean? Idiot. Brass yeah. Monkey. Yeah. And I listened to Paul Revere for the first time, and I was yeah. like, oh, my gosh. Um, and honestly, just the story it tells. It's, it's, it's lighthearted. It's humorous. It encompasses their ability to rap and tell stories, but also just like, the way that the, the the song shifts when they take breaks, you know the 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 beat on it yeah. is just so good. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yep. I I am such a I'm a I'm a big I love eighties music and I'm a big fan of New Wave because I think if you think whenever anybody has like a royalty free eighties song, it's the something very synthy. Um so I really like the synthy stuff. So kind of along with that, it was really tough for me because these are like numbers four and five and like my top 10 favorite songs of all time. Um, I was going to say Time After Time by Cyndi Lauper. Ooh, that's a good one. I, I'll probably say Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Ooh, Tears for Fears. Yes. Dang. As yeah, soon as, soon as that the, the guitar lick comes in and as soon as yeah, that keyboard part comes in, it's yeah. just, it's so, it's recognizable. I think it encapsulates a lot of 80s style music. It just feels and, like very happy and very yeah. jumpy. And just the, the chords on the keyboard, um, it's very arid. It's very ethereal. Yeah, yeah yeah and it it very much creates an atmosphere and it very much puts you in a certain spot to where all i picture listening to that song is just like sitting on a back deck it's maybe a little windy outside but i'm just like i got my eyes closed and just the bun dun, the fat guy dude. doing pull-ups uh, yeah exactly i don't know um, but then <laughs> trying, but to, then, think is, trying but, to make that situation but, ridiculous but then the ad the the bridge adds so much attitude and punch to yeah. the song the rules where the light will find yeah to where like the guitar really has the distortion and really punches and yeah. comes in absolutely so, so everybody wants to rule the world by tears for fears nice. and i never change that song i love that song oh yeah Okay, so on the subject of decades, favorite '90s song, "Kiss from a Rose" by Seal. It's actually my favorite song of all time. Yeah, um, it's just something when because nostalgia is a huge part of my life, and so when that ya 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 ba when that mm-hmm. comes in, like there's something inside of me that just switches on, mm-hmm. and it's just a very it's a very emotional mm-hmm. song, and yeah. it's for the Batman Forever soundtrack, which mm-hmm. is also why I love it because. Yeah that movie is very nostalgic and that was probably my first dose of like feeling nostalgic for something Mm -hmm. and feeling like I like this, this is cool to me. And so plus seals, just a great singer. Yeah. So that, that song to me, just the, the verses are great. It's just a powerful chorus and then breaks down to the bridge when it's just him acapella and then comes back in. It's just, there's just, it's just this wave of emotion for me and nostalgia whenever it comes on. So that's my favorite song ever, and it's my favorite song in the 90s. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's it's the same for me, but, I mean, to kind of differentiate and to add a little bit, to be different here, um, number one for me is Kiss from a Rose, but you just you, you explained it perfectly. You did a really good job. Um, I would say from the same soundtrack, just because I'm going more of the very the 90s feel of a song, Hold me, thrill me, kiss me, kill me by U2. Yeah. Like the as like I'm not the biggest U2 fan. I think they're they're fine. I don't know. I like Joshua Tree. Um, mm. I like Under Blood Red Sky. Uh, and I like the song Elevation. Yeah. Uh Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me. I love that song. I crank it because the riff is great and I love the lead line, the ba na 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 and then dips in the minor na 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 that's a very nineties sound to me. So the same way that I love Kiss from a Rose and it's very nostalgic, Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me is just like that nice. too. Yeah, so I have two and because there's a genre that I listened to and was raised on that you guys 
weren't really raised on it right. in English too. So out of country music, because um, it was a big part of my childhood, uh-huh. My Maria by uh, Brooks and Dunn, hands yeah. down. Um, and just the way that the song starts, it's 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 just really, it's country, but he's telling the story about this woman that he's in love with. Um, but it's not this sappy love song. It's fun. It's 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 yeah. pop. It's not really poppy, but it's twangy and, and upbeat. Um, but outside of that, I'm showing a little St. Louis love. The Urge has a song called Too Much Stereo. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, last night was a bitch yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah. That's the them okay yeah. up Too to the middle the back to the middle and up to the middle yeah. and the back to the middle that, yeah, yeah those guys in st they're from st louis yeah but hands down favorite song i mean they kind of fuse this like ska meets punk meets this kind of grungy sound and it's just i don't know it just for me it it, it reminds me of home it yeah. actually kind of sounds like a like to me that's the st louis sound yeah, yeah yeah they also have that song uh jump right in jump right in they've oh they've got a ton of they, popular yeah, singles that play they play at blues games all the time yeah. what's the one uh that goes, I can't see no confirmation. I can't see. Uh, um, that one might be brain something. Brainless or divide brainless. and conquer? Yeah, brainless. brainless. Yeah. yeah. They they play brainless at blues games and it's oh, got yeah. a sweet like guitar line at the at the beginning. Absolutely. So you said the urge and that's my probably my favorite urge song. Yeah. That's that's where you were going with, right? Your next favorite urge song? Uh no, not really, but still <laughs> kind of kind of in that the nineties vein. Favorite Pantera song. Ooh. Uh, mine would have to be Cowboys from Hell. Cowboys from yeah. Hell. Yep, yep. Um, that live version is brutal too. Oh, like so uh, good. Like the uh, it's like live 101. Like it's like the live yeah, live hits. official 101 proof. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, this our um, I'm broken. It's probably my favorite Pantera mm-hmm. song. Phenomenal. Not only because Beavis and Butthead um watched the music video. Yes, and yes. they like went you know crazy on it, but just the song in general is just pure energy, and it's just. It just it makes you feel like running through a wall, and plus, I mean, five minutes alone that plays before it just leads beautifully into it. But um, I'm broken is probably it's just like, just like straight on. It's aggressive. It's in your face. It's super aggressive. Very chaotic. I I would much rather listen to the music video version because it's it's uh, was that that is that Vinnie Paul counting it off. Yeah, exactly. And then plus, just watching the video, they're all going nuts. Yeah, it's just it's just balls to the wall the whole time. Yeah, uh, you mentioned it. I've five minutes alone is yeah. my favorite. Um, just the drums pound in, yeah. and then it Yeah, the guitar riff is great too. Yeah, it's just that is just a song to punch things to. Yeah, it's great. Um, so let's see. I got a couple more. Um. I'm really tempted to call an audible. I won't. Def Leppard, favorite Def Leppard song. Oh man, that's so hard. Because uh, if I say if I say the one I want to go with, I'm gonna get made fun of. No, uh, I don't care. Because Just pour some it. sugar on me is like staple Def. Leppard. Oh yeah, but it's also like that's well known. Um, so I will go with uh, off Pyromania. Um, I'm, the name is escaping me right now, and this is not fun. I don't like when I can't recall things. Um, don't you hate that? You can't recall of it? Of uh, course. Hysteria. 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 Oh, yeah. Hysteria yeah. is great. Yeah. That's off a, the album Hysteria or yeah, the song Hysteria? Yeah, it's off the album Hysteria. Yeah. Not, yeah. The, no, I believe it's the song Hysteria, but isn't the song Hysteria on... Oh, no, it's on it's the on, self-titled album. I lied. It's, it's yeah. on Hysteria. Hysteria. So the song yeah. Hysteria from the album Hysteria. Yeah, nice. Yeah. That's that I, is that's a great song. I think I got to go Foolin' off Foolin'. Pie Romania. Yeah, that one is on yes. Pie Romania. Because not only is it a catchy chorus, and it's like pure Def yeah. Leppard, but it reminded me of high school during the summer when I was just listening to 
KC95, the classic rock station in St. Louis, and that song came on all the time. And I would literally sit and just wait for it to come on, and I'd be playing like MLB The Show or oh, something yeah. while listening to KC95. So probably Foolin' is my favorite Def Leppard song. Nice. I'm probably going to stick in the – this is tough because Def Leppard is one of my top five favorite bands. Um, stick. I'm going to stick with the Hysteria album, and i got to go Animal. Animals Animal, good, like yeah. it, solid. There's so solid much. Choice. There's so much energy in that song all yeah. throughout, um, and plus it has a, like a a breakdown. Yeah. To where it's a, I I you can do like a four count with it. Yeah. But it's like, uh, I don't know why I'm blanking on it. I, that's my and I want. It's animal to. And I won't. Yeah. So nah, yeah. yeah, it's just I don't. I like when songs kind of have that breakdown or when everything like cuts out and it's just the drums. Oh, yeah. yeah. Am I am I allowed to change my answer? Change your answer. Let's change my answer. So because I jacked up hysteria, let's go with pyromania, because this is the song I was thinking of, mm-hmm. um, and the song is it's too late for love. Too yes, late. Too late for love. It's like the exactly. perfect mixture of like a ballad. But also, like, it's like a power ballad, but it's not this, like, it's not White Snake with, like, I don't, you know, with their crap. I don't know where I'm going. But it's, you know, but you get, like, this, like, awesome just, I mean, it's just him crying out and saying, like, you know what? It's too late. You jacked up. You can't fix it. I can't fix it. It's too late for love. Yeah. Yeah. It's and now. God, it's, now I'm trying. Now I'm like. I'm so, maybe I'm it's like, bringing on the I'm heartache. Like, maybe like, I love animal. Maybe it's promises. Stage fright. Yes, yeah, stage. That's the thing. Is like, Def Leppard and dry. Is fantastic. And I get so pissed off when people say, "Oh, they're just they're just a, they're just part of those hair bands." No, they're not. No, they're part of the new wave of British heavy metal yes. with have, Judas Priest they and have Iron Maiden. A hell of a lot more staying power than someone like Poison. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, they they have a hit pretty much. In almost in every decade, seventies, eighties, and nineties. Yeah, like yeah. They had well, they had so many hits in the eighties. Oh, of course. They, I mean, yeah. they they were they were power in the eighties. They were a power band in the eighties. They just they didn't mm-hmm. they didn't quite. Uh, here's the deal: screw Poison and screw some of these other like White Snake and all these other people. And I didn't grow up in the eighties, so I'm sorry yeah. if I offend you. But Pour Some Sugar on Me is a staple song that has been used from the time it came out, and it will continue to be used for forever. Yeah, it's used in video games. It's used in movies. You know, and it it's it, to be candid, it's it's just one of those rockin', dancing songs yeah. that will stand the test of time. Absolutely. Yeah. And Def Leppard was one of, if not the first, MTV really driven band. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. It's, Pyromania came out in '83. MTV came on the airwaves in '83. Yeah. So like it was, it was a match made in heaven. American yeah. audiences saw this British band and fell in love with them. Yeah. Not to mention, this is. Their drummer has one freaking arm. Yeah. Yeah. Here, get this. Pyromania is humongous. Comes out in 83. They're on a huge major tour. Gets in an accident when they're starting to, their drummer, Rick Allen. They're starting to blow up. They're growing massive popularity. Uh, Their drummer, Rick Allen, gets in a horrendous car accident when they're like starting to record Hysteria and loses his arm. They try and get it back on, but it starts getting infected. So he cuts his arm off, spins a long time learning a a specialty drum specialty drum set learning how to play not just the new stuff but the old stuff getting acclimated with that so they come back they rise from the ashes with hysteria and that's released massive hit yeah like doing in the round tour and everything absolutely um just crazy amazing 
their guitar player, one half of their guitar duo, Steve Clark, dies of a drug overdose. Another setback. They come back with Vivian uh, Campbell, with from, Viv Dio. Campbell yeah. from Dio. Absolutely kicks ass. Another just compatible with Phil Collin, the the other guitar player for Def Leppard. Viv, fast forward almost twenty years. Viv Campbell gets cancer. You know, nothing can stop this band. They have nothing. a song called "Undefeated." Exactly, and, and it. I get like, I get um, choked up listening to that song because it's not only like you can apply it to you know just any personal situation. Yeah, 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 and just it. I just I love Def Leppard. They're all they're all all of them are so down to earth and like mm-hmm. just seems so super cool. And they just were ad- inducted into the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, yes, which is were. so well deserved. Um, so one more to round out this segment. I wanted so bad to again call an audible and say Huey Lewis in the news because we were talking about them earlier today. But I'm gonna it's stick to my mention. I'm gonna yeah. stick to my guns on this one and completely just you. We mentioned alternative, we mentioned rock, we mentioned metal, uh, and Tyler, you mentioned country. I'm going to throw in one more thing across the music spectrum. Favorite boy band song, Ooh. which is I mean, tough. I, I got to go I Want You Back by NSYNC. Yeah. Like, it just it just never fails to get you on the floor and, like, mm-hmm. and just start dancing. Like, it's just, like, it's something you sing so loud in your car, and it's just that... It reminds me of like being a kid and like wanting to be in a boy band and like learn dance moves and impress girls and stuff. Mm-hmm. So probably I want you back by NSYNC. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to go with Dirty Pop by NSYNC. Dirty ah, Pop. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That No Strings Attached in that first NSYNC were ones we listened to all the time because boy bands were, we thought we thought they were cool. Oh, absolutely. I thought they were cool. Um, And like Matt said, I wanted to learn their dance moves. I wanted to learn how to sing and blah, 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 because they got girls. And girls thought they were cool. But they just, I don't know, they seem like guys you want to hang out with. And we grew up watching the new Mickey Mouse Club because we have older siblings. Um, So, like, I remember JT and JC, uh, JT and JC Chazé on there, and uh, Brittany and Christine Aguilera were on there. Mm. Um, Ryan Gosling. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan Gosling, Gosling on there. there. Carrie Russell. There yeah. was a whole lot of people on there, but I remember thinking they were cool on there. So listen to a lot of NSYNC. Um, I liked Backstreet Boys, some of their stuff. But for me, um, this is the typical answer. I might just go bye-bye-bye yeah. on that one. Um, bye 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 is is the classic. Anytime it comes on, everybody's singing it. I that was that was the the dances the dance in that video was mm-hmm. what I wanted to learn so badly. But you know what? As I talk, I'm gonna go with uh, um, say you'll be there by the Spice Girls. Yeah, I think I like <laughs> over bye bye bye, especially the the version. They were a, a great boy band. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> um, yeah. Group band, yeah, go in there. Say you'll be there by the Spice Girls. Also, because the version they do a version in Spice World that's kind of stripped down. Yeah, it's actually it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And I know it's kind of weird, maybe a little jarring to some of you that we ended on a boy band, but you can think what you want. We like boy bands. It's good music, and good music is good music. So on that note, thank you, Tyler, for come for actually we came out, but thank you for being on the Radcast. Mm-hmm. This was an absolute privilege, my friend. Thanks for having me on the Radcast, yeah. guys. Can't wait to have you on further episodes. Mm-hmm. Oh, we just absolutely. have to think of a way to get you guys out to us. 
because this is not the most fun drive. No, four hours across 70 is not the greatest. But No, uh, I'm just kidding. It, it runs it both ways. So. It's an absolute privilege to be spending the weekend with you. Thanks again for being on. And remember, from the Radcast, to embrace things that you find rad. So we'll catch you next time. This concludes our broadcast day.